Alaziz, his first goal for Portsmouth. Into the path of Smithrow, into the box. Smithrow scores! A really deserved first goal in Huddersfield Town Colours. We're back again with Away From Hail End. And again, apologies for missing a week. It has been truly one of the craziest couple months of my life, uh, away from this and away from some other things, uh, a little bit of health and a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Either way, we're back. Reese Nelson comes in for soccer, scores two goals this week. Could not have been more excited about that. Uh, for anyone who does know me, knows that Reese Nelson and, and watching him play and come through the academy is one of the main reasons why I fell in love with youth scouting and, and, and watching players develop and continue to grow and add to their skill set and, and transition to senior football and how I got so interested in this side of the game. And so to see Reese Nelson take that opportunity after a couple of years in and out of the team, some injury woes, uh, some confidence issues, to come in and score those two goals and assist uh, Partey all in a matter of eight minutes, just it, it honestly was exhilarating and, and it, it was great to see Ar- Arsenal were a little bit not in their best form at the moment. It was, it was much needed. Uh, and to have that come on the backs of Reese Nelson, uh, a Hale End player coming in for another Hale End player, and to see all the people, you know, at the club, out on loan, you name it, rooting for Reese, and so happy to see him succeeding, tells you all you need to know about his character, tells you all you need to know about how unlucky he's been and how much of this darn game comes down to being in the right place at the right time with the right opportunity, and just maybe this will have changed the future of Reese Nelson and Arsenal, or his own career. I mean, who knows what's next for him. But either way, it was a great moment, and really meant a lot to him, I'm sure, meant a lot to me and many other fans, everyone rejoicing in Reese Nelson, and props to him for taking the opportunity, coming in and showing what he can do and how he can contribute. Uh, and I will say, Something I talked about a lot last season, and I think anyone who listened to this or follows me on Twitter knows this, is how much better he is on the right and how long it took senior football managers to see that. He actually played a lot on the right in youth levels. That's kind of where he made his mark. Uh, when he first played in preseason for Arsenal's first team, he came on playing on the right side for Arsene Wenger um, and showed his skills there. He's just more comfortable. He's more direct. He's more dynamic. He can make play a role on the left side. He can be creative. He, he's, he can cross the ball well, cut back onto his right foot and kind of play that in-swinging ball to the back post. Um, he can get to the end line and, and dribble past players with his speed. We saw him do that a lot at Hoffenheim. But to get the most out of Reese Nelson, it is to play as an inside forward on that right side. Allow him to cut in, get involved, get involved in some interplay, some one-twos, get into the box, make things happen. And we saw that. For both the goals and the assist. Uh, so credit to Reese Nelson again. Uh, and it was awesome to watch. But back to the reason we're all here and why you've tuned in. Catching us up on what's happened over the last couple weeks with our lone players. And there's nowhere better to start than Charlie Patino. Because not only has he been excellent since his first match for Blackpool. But this few matches here, he has come into his own so much. And has become the most dominant player on the pitch for every match. Like I literally have a note here that says I'm laughing that this kid is 18, watching his confidence and watching him dominate the pitch and literally toying with the opposition. We're talking about seasoned professional footballers who are a decade or more older than him, and he is toying with them. And it's just awesome to watch. I cannot wait to watch him at Arsenal next year. He's going to compete with Xhaka for that left center mid roll. There is no question about it. On to the performances. The first 
90 minutes in a 4-2 win over Preston North End. A goal and an assist for Charlie in this match. Two key passes. Uh, completed a cross that was for the goal. Three completed long balls. Three ground duels won. Four interceptions. Three tackles. I mean, he had a golden assist. And the most impressive part of this game for me, from him, was the defensive aspect. He was winning the ball off the opposition with ease. He was reading both passing lanes. He was reading where defend the opposition wanted to go. He was getting a foot in. He was winning every challenge he went into, it felt like. It was just a dominant display in that left side of the pitch, in those half spaces, kind of ruling where the ball was going to go, whether he was on it or not. It was pure dictation of play. Early on, Blackpool were really pinned deep. Charlie tried to play forward when it was available, played long balls into the channels. He would switch the field uh, just to try and make some space for Blackpool. And it honestly helped them get back into the match early on. They were kind of getting, they were, as I said, getting pinned deep and really weren't able to play out. And then all of a sudden, Charlie Bettino just took over. Scored an amazing goal. Ball rolled onto him just outside of the box, kind of more on the right half part of the pitch. Uh, and he just hit it first time. As it came across his body, he went with the ball. Just perfect technique. Didn't smash it, but the way he opened up his body, the ball kind of, Kept running away from the goalkeeper into the far post, low and hard. Goalkeeper never had a chance. Beautiful goal. Just so calm. So calm. Uh, at the time, obviously, Blackpool were down 2-1. This gets them back level. Then a few minutes later, Charlie receives the ball, coming into the box, coming from his left back, passing back to him. He takes one touch a little bit away from the goal, but into some space, which gives him both the time to look up and see who's in the box and the space to get the cross in. Puts a beautiful cross onto the front post where Jerry Yates gets there, heads it home, puts Blackpool in the lead, and they never look back. His first touch is so smart throughout every match he's played, and it just allows him to do more with less. So instead of taking a bunch of touches to find space, he takes one touch, a little bit away from him, but also away from the defender. And at that point, he can get his head up again. Obviously, he's known for his scanning, but he gets his head up one more time to know exactly where he wants to play it and gives him this time to do that. And then it also gives him the space to play the ball. Brilliant, brilliant match here from Charlie Patino. 10 out of 10. I mean, it wasn't his most, again, his most accurate passing match. But in these kinds of championship matches where there are tons of goals and it's rough and it's rowdy, you, you don't have to necessarily worry about being perfect. Right? You're trying to make something happen. You're trying to force a mistake. You're trying to force the ball into space. You're trying to force your team to move forward and get into the final third. And Charlie Bettino, I think, has actually adjusted to that. And you may see his passing numbers go down in terms of accuracy, but I actually think he's getting better and making smarter decisions. And a lot of the time, he's playing passes that if his teammates were on the same wavelength as him, as many players would be at a higher level, they'd be getting there and getting into dangerous areas. So I like what I saw from Charlie Patino in this match. Aside from the goal and assist, and aside from the unbelievable defensive effort, I really liked what I saw from him in this match. Then played another match in 2-1 win over Coventry, and this was just like Charlie at his most confident. As I mentioned at the top of this segment, literally toying with the opposition multiple times. He got fouled four times in this match, and every single time it was because he received the ball and took a touch, and it just was immediately past a defender or a different weight than the defender was expecting, and they just took him out. They just literally could not keep up with him or couldn't read where the ball was going, put a foot in, and took him out. He, he, he got fouled four times in this match. 24 of 37 passing, a key pass. He completed two crosses. He completed three long balls. He had a big chance created. Seven ground duels, one out of nine. Three tackles and an interception. An overall dominant performance yet again in a 2-1 win over Coventry. 
Uh, he played a lovely right-footed cross-in, which, again, I've only talked about his weak foot a few times because he really doesn't use it much, but I like to see it getting better and him getting more confident in it. He received the ball um, on the left wing, right about the corner of the box, started pretending like he was driving to the end line, cut back onto his right, and played a perfect, perfect cross to the back post. Teammate receives it wide open just outside the six-yard box, not even all the way on the back post, like pretty middle of the goal, and just fires it over. Easily should have been a goal. That was the big chance created that I mentioned. But an awesome, awesome cross from him. Uh, and again, just so confident on the ball. Really dictated the game again here. Should have had an assist. Just There's not much else to say. Charlie Patino is Blackpool's most important player. Uh, he unfortunately missed out against West Brom due to an illness. I do think with all the games coming up for Blackpool, he does need a spell. Uh, where he's on the bench. You've seen it with Brooke Dorn Cuffey. I'll get on, when I get to his segment, I will talk about it a little bit. But not used to playing this many matches. You don't want him to get fatigued. Great couple of matches here from Charlie, and he's just gotten better and better. Moving over to France with, I mean, I don't know who's having a better loan spell, Charlie Bettino or Fowler and Balagoon, because Balagoon, again, comes in and scores a goal. 89 minutes played in a 2-1 win over Auxerre. Again, I know I butcher these French names. I, I don't know how to speak French. So I don't think anyone else does either other than the people from France, but most of my listeners, obviously, UK and USA-based. I'm going to go with Auxerre. Uh 2-1 win. He had a goal flow. And again, he's just gotten so smart with his runs. It's a completely different player than what we saw a year ago now. I credit a lot of it to the Burrow spell. I know I talk about a Millsborough again. A lot of good things he learned there. He, a couple of times, the way the goal was set up was a few times Balagoon received the ball kind of equal with the defender and drove onto his left foot and shot with his left foot once to the near post once to the far post both times the goalie got down and made a very nice save then the next time instead of staying in that channel where he kept receiving it he went onto the back shoulder of the defender went around him the ball came between the two defenders flow was on the outside of the left defender ball comes in flow runs onto it first time finish right footed far post on the ground, looked like Thierry Henry. We've all seen him score that goal hundreds of times, Thierry Henry, of course, where he just slots it into the bottom right corner. And just a beautiful goal and a beautiful match here from Flo. He had four shots on target in this match. 7-12 uh, passing. He was fouled twice. It, it just, you can't really say anything else. He's become a very complete striker, a great goal scorer. He's got every different type of goal in his bag. I mean, I'm not getting down on Eddie and Kedia quite yet. I think... We saw last year, once he gets a consistent run, it's a lot easier for him to succeed. But a little bit worrying the way he's been playing. And he has to be worried that if Fuller and Balogun plays like this all season, he's going to come back, become that second striker to Jesus, and then Kenny is going to be on the way out. I mean, Balogun is scoring goals at a consistent rate in senior football. And again, he has the advantage of playing every week. I completely understand that. But Balogun is the bigger prospect, and he's just been awesome. And I've really enjoyed watching him. I mean... There's still so much debate on what national team he's going to represent. Obviously, at this point, he's not playing in the World Cup. That seems very unlikely. He's not going to make that decision already. If he continues to score goals, he's going to get a look into England's side soon. I mean, obviously, Harry Kane's the number one striker. But outside of Kane, there's not a lot of obvious decisions. Ollie Watkins has not panned out the way people thought. Vardy's you know, old now and, and not the player he used to be. Uh, for some reason, Southgate does not like Ivan Tony. Tony's awesome. A little bit older, but you know, there's a young crop of English strikers that Balogun's going to have the chance to make that push into the senior team. Uh, he played another match over these couple of weeks, 89 minutes in a nil-nil draw with Brest. Very, very involved in this match. Unfortunately, just wasn't able to find the goal. Uh, but three shots off target. He had a block shot, three successful dribbles. 
uh, a key pass. He won seven ground duels. He won an aerial duel. He was foul ties, made two tackles. This is the kind of match where, previous to the Middlesbrough alone, I don't think Balogun would have been able to get involved because he'd be waiting and hanging around for the ball around the box, looking to score his goals. But instead, he played in possession. He helped Reams not get down. He helped Reams stay in the match and possess the ball and move the ball forward and not feel like they were pinned in the whole match. Uh, you know, un- unfortunate not to score, but you have to like how aggressive he's being and how often he's shooting and how confident he is in his ability to finish. Even at tight angles or, or bad areas, he's often isolated. So it's him going up against one, two, three defenders, nowhere to play the ball in, and he's still attacking the goal and trying to make things happen. And this is what he did here. Another excellent match. He didn't score a goal, didn't get an assist, but a key, key player for Reams in this match, and definitely their most aggressive and most confident player on the pitch right now, as they're in a bit of a turbulent time, like they're in a little bit of a relegation battle. Obviously, we've spoken about the red cards quite a bit, uh, but Balogun just keeps his head down, does his job, does his work, and he is an indispensable right now in that starting eleven. I do hate to say this, but Marcelo Flores does not have the confidence that I would have expected to see from him after the way he started and how confident he looked when he first got to Oviedo. He looked as confident as Patino and Dalagun do look, but now that is kind of whiskered away. Um, he's not getting a lot of look in. It's mostly 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there, 8 minutes there, not getting the starts. Over the last couple of weeks, 15 minutes, a 1-0 win over Malaga, 2 of 2 passing. He won a ground duel and was fouled once. You know, he's just coming in towards the ends of these matches, and it's not even when the team's really chasing the game, right? So it's like he's almost coming in as a time-wasting sub and just to get some fresh legs on, but not somebody who's going to come in and, and make things happen. That's not what the management sees him for, and that's the kind of player that he should be, especially when he's on loan. Uh, he does come in for 27 minutes and a 2-1 loss to Alavis when Oviedo were down 1-0. Gets an assist, uh, heads the ball back into the box out of a cleared corner. His striker chests it down and finishes it. A really smart play from Marcelo Flores to not bring it down and try to make something happen just to get the ball back into the box where the chaos is happening. Four or five passing in this match. One of those was a long ball that he completed. He won a tackle, but he just doesn't have that aggression that he had when he first arrived, right? When he first arrived, I talked a lot about bounceability. I was very excited about that. I said that was going to be our word this year for Marcelo Flores. But it's just not that right now. His confidence is shot. He's receiving the ball, and I like that his game isn't changing. He's still trying to take players on, but he's not going in the way he was before. He's not going in with the, I have the physicality to bounce off of players. I have that low center of gravity. I have the ball stuck to my foot no matter what happens. The ball's loose. He's losing it in 1v2s. He's not making smart decisions. It just looks like his confidence is shot. I mean, I've seen this before with young players, and it happens on loan. When a player isn't ready for the situation they're in, or obviously this has been turbulent with the manager who brought him in getting fired, uh, not getting the game time, not seeming comfortable, didn't get the call up to the Mexico squad most recently, meaning he likely isn't making the World Cup, which was a big dream of his. I feel bad for him. I, I really do. Uh, he-, he has The one thing I will say is that I have noticed as he gets used to playing this really wide left wing role that he keeps coming on to play, he's learned a lot. Uh, he- he's watching in training clearly what he's supposed to be doing, which is he's trying to get onto these crosses late in the box at the back post uh, when they come in from the opposite side and and score goals that way, which is not the kind of player he's ever been at youth levels. Um, But it is good to see him trying new things and and learning and and figuring out that role. Again, I think a part of it has to do he's not playing a role he's used to. Uh, But a bit unfortunate for Marcelo Flores. He then did not feature in a 2-1 loss to Villarreal's B squad. You know, we'll see what happens here. I think the World Cup break will be good for Marcelo Flores. There's a chance he gets recalled. I wouldn't be shocked. 
comes back, maybe goes on loan to like a League One club, stays in England, somewhere Arsenal can check on him better. Um, I have noticed a lot of players saying that they're in contact with Arsenal on a week-to-week basis. I don't remember seeing that always talked about so much. So I think, as I mentioned at the beginning of this season, before the season even started and we started sending players out on loan, there was a clear plan and strategy from Arsenal that there hasn't been previously. I think a lot of that has to do with how many talented players there are at Hale End. So it's not really so willy-nilly. Like These are players you need to develop. This is a big opportunity for players to make it into Arsenal and also to profit for the club. We've seen what the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea and Manchester City have been able to do with their academy prospects. So I think that's clearly a part of the reason why. Uh, But yeah, huge for uh, Marcelo Flores to get this World Cup break. Don't think he'll make the Mexico squad, but there obviously is that chance uh, that he gets recalled. Brooke Norton Cuffey, as I mentioned earlier, has kind of gotten the chance to take a break here and there, get some time off, uh, not play 90 minutes every week. I think we kind of started to see a few weeks ago that after playing 90 minutes every week, he wasn't up to full fitness. Not that he wasn't healthy, but he wasn't quite as bursty as he was previously, quite as strong, as fast. He almost had to preserve himself over the 90 minutes instead of doing what we're used to seeing, which is kind of that full-blown running style uh, that makes Norton Cuffey such an interesting prospect. Uh, And it's obviously something he'll have to learn as he adapts to the senior game. This is the most amount of matches he's played in any period of time in his footballing career. Uh, So I actually think this is really good management in the way he has been handled over the past few weeks, uh, starting with 59 minutes and a 4-2 loss to Hull City. Uh, He was 7-9 of passing at a key pass. Uh, That was a nice cross lofted in. It wasn't his best game in terms of duels. And again, I think, as you'll see over the next couple matches where he didn't start, I think that was part of the reason why he didn't start in those next two matches and only played 59 minutes here. Just kind of looked a little bit tired. Uh, He was getting not necessarily beaten, but he wasn't able to just go shoulder to shoulder uh, with somebody attacking his wing or get in the way of crosses, do all the things he's been doing so well. Uh, He did ask some really serious questions going towards the end line. He cut it back a few times. You know, he, he kept him busy over there and distracted, and he did what he does best over on the right wing. Uh, but he didn't see too much of the ball, as I mentioned. Looked a little tired and just played that 59 minutes. Uh, he then played 28 minutes and a 2-2 draw with Coventry. He actually came on and played left wing back. It's the second time we've seen that now. He looked real comfortable over there. Um, you never really saw him do that much at Hale End, which is interesting. Uh, he really only ever played at right back or right wing back. I think he played one or two matches actually in center back. Um, but... Interesting to see him use there. Obviously, we've talked about his left foot quite a bit and how skilled he is on that side, Uh, able to pass and dribble and and do almost everything with his left foot that he can with his right. He had made one tackle. He won two of five duels, five of seven passing, completed a long ball, unfortunately picked up a yellow card. Uh, The one thing I will say about playing on the other side of the pitch is you're not used to tackling with that foot, and so you will come in late a little bit or miss the ball when you think you can make a tackle, something he would have to adjust to. If he's going to make kind of a long-term availability over there, which is, I don't think that likely. I think he'll be a right wing back. Yes, he could be used over there, but not something that he would like to do probably long term. Uh, He then played 31 minutes in a 1-0 loss to Cardiff. Uh, Again, when you're a wing back, it's hard to come in and play just the last 20, 30 minutes. You you don't get the chance to grow into the game, understand who you're going up against, and and really that battle that you go 1v1 with a winger often as a fullback or a wing back kind of is a 90-minute battle. Uh, Coming in late in a match like this, Again, you don't really get the full chance. And in both of these matches, he kind of came in pushing and trying to you know, push the game forward and, and get a goal. In this match, obviously, they were down 1-0. Uh, 
and wasn't able to do much there. But then after getting kind of a week and a half of not playing 90 minutes, seeming more well-rested, Brook Norton Cuffey had one of his best matches of the season. 86 minutes and a 3-2 loss to Burnley. Both of those goals, they were up 2-1 when they took him off. Uh, they got a Cohen Bramall, ex-Arsenal Academy player, Cohen Bramall, got a red card, uh, and, and they were up 2-1 and gave up two goals in the last, in actually, stoppage time uh, after Brook came off. But uh, nonetheless, an excellent game for Brook Norton Cuffey. He had one assist, two clearances, an interception, seven tackles, nine ground duels won. He won both of his aerial duels, completed a cross, and had two successful dribbles. This was really a match where he pulled out every single tool he has in his chest. Uh, he looked back to his healthiest. He wasn't getting dribbled past. As mentioned, 7-1 tackles. He was preventing crosses, which is something that he was doing really well early in the season, which was even if he got a little bit beat or tried to win a tackle, he still got in the way of a cross. No easy balls into the box, which makes a huge, huge difference, especially at the championship when a lot of schools are scored off of crosses. Uh, he was dominant, really dominant on that right side. He had a run uh, in the second half where he picked the ball up on the edge of his own box and went and dribbled past six or seven players to give his team a little bit of an ease, get the ball out of their half, you know, move the ball up the pitch. Uh, it's something that amazes me about him physically that I don't know that I've ever really mentioned is how quickly he gets up when he's on the ground. Like, since he's so fast and strong and goes 100% into everything, he does hit the ground quite often. But he pops right back up, wins the ball back. He always keeps his foot in the challenge in a safe way, but in a way that allows him to win the ball back. I really thought he looked excellent here. Uh, again, had that assist, which is his first assist of the season, where he received the ball on the right wing. He had a runner going far near post, and then a late runner coming to the box far post who was unmarked, he waited for him, made a nice lofted cross, and you know the player was able to finish it well with a header pretty much into an empty net. Um, some people were saying that wasn't an easy finish. I mean, that would have been a big chance missed had he not finished it. Uh, so I'm basing it off of that. But a great assist for Brook Norton Cuffey. The crossing, as I mentioned, over the last three, four weeks has gotten a lot, a lot better. It started a little bit rough this year for him. Never was that worried because that is one of his strengths. Uh, but good to see him getting that rest over the last couple weeks and coming back full strength and playing quite well. Another player who's been really aggressive and kind of impressed me in his confidence immediately hitting the ground running, Miguel Aziz. Unfortunately, didn't get to play a lot of the last couple of weeks. I do think he either is a little bit fatigued or has picked up a slight injury. Uh, hasn't really been spoken about. But 16 minutes and a 2-1 loss to Levante. Although 15 passes in that 16 minutes. 15 of 18 passing. Had a shot on target. He won two out of his three duels and a tackle. Every time he's come in, whether it's been starting or coming off the bench, he has come in and, and tried to make a difference and make an impact immediately, and I've really liked what I've seen from him. Uh, he then didn't feature against Burgos in a 2-0 defeat and didn't make the squad against Leganes. He's back in training as of today, so I believe he just picked up a slight injury or a little bit of fatigue, uh, but again, I'm not worried about that. He's clearly a, a big part of their plans and been one of their better players, especially um, that honestly, that time he got to play as a lone six. We talked about it last time. He looked really good, but he's played well as a left-sided pivot and, and in that lone six role for them. And I expect to see him feature a lot um, for the rest of the season. Tyrese John-Jules uh, played in a few matches over the last couple weeks. 73 mins in a 1-0 win over Derby County. Uh, one shot off target. He went 10 of 15 passing, six ground duels won, uh, and was fouled six times. He did really well in this match uh, to pop up pretty much all over the pitch. Like, he plays as that supporting role to the striker when it's in left forward, right forward. They're kind of fluid with it. And what he does is a lot different than maybe what I would have expected for him this season. And I've talked about a lot how I wanted to be more aggressive going towards net, and I still believe that. 
But I've kind of changed my thought on what's going on here, and it's reminding me a little bit of Fuller and Balagoon's loan last year at Middlesbrough, um, where he's coming back to the ball, creating possession opportunity for the team, looking for the overlaps, looking for a, a, a player making a run, and when not, making sure that he either draws a foul for a set piece or plays it back and recycles the ball. And he's done that really well, and he's played a, a significant role in their success doing that. Um, again, getting fouled six times, that's amazing in 73 minutes. Like, that's countless opportunities he's created for his team, uh, either to get a set piece and a free cross into the box or to win back possession when they're pinned deep uh, against a tough opponent, and, and he did that well here. Uh, he then played 25 minutes in a 3-2 win over Port Vale. Four of seven passing, uh, was fouled once. He was, again, a useful asset in this match, trying to keep possession and progress the ball up the pitch um, when they were winning in a match and just making sure that they're not just getting bombarded shot after shot after shot. You know, some teams are sitting back deep. You tend to lay off a little on the press when you're up a goal. And so Tyrese John Jules does, did that really well in this match as well. And then in an absolutely insane match against Charlton, a 4-4 draw, John Jules played 71 minutes, scoring a goal, could have scored three goals. Uh, really, this is, it's so, it's like, it's interesting because as I was mentioning in those other two matches, like he played a completely different role than he did in this match, which was this match, he was in the box, in scoring positions, making things happen, getting countless big chances. He actually had two big chances missed in this match and another one that was almost a 1v1 with the keeper, but a defender got a last minute poke on the ball as he was driving into the box. Uh, again, by the numbers, one goal uh, shot on target with that goal, one successful dribble, 16 of 20 passing, four ground duels won, and was fouled three times. Uh, he missed a really good opportunity late in the first half where he took two defenders out, received the ball kind of in the left part of the box, went towards the end line, took one defender out, dribbled back towards the middle, took another out, had a pretty open shot at goal, and fired just wide of the far post. Unfortunate for him, would have been a great goal. Uh, but then scored a nice goal early in the second half, getting into the right place to head it home. And a few minutes later, had another good chance at the top of the six-yard box, middle of the goal, header, hit it into the ground with some pace. But unfortunately, the keeper got a foot to it, probably should have scored there as well. Easily could have had three goals, as I mentioned, two big chances missed. But it was a great match, really, for him to be in the right positions in the right times. He has really become confident on the ball, driving towards the goal or with his back to goal, really becoming a very complete player. He was always the profile of a complete number nine, but we've never really seen him get the chance to play in that role. I think it's really been good for him to go to a best, one of the better sides in League One and a team that plays with possession, giving him the chance to be on the ball and not just be a goal scorer. I think that's made a huge difference for him uh, amongst his loan spells. Uh, most of his loan spells he's been at, he's been playing on the counterattack uh, when he was at Doncaster or Lincoln, uh, and then obviously Blackpool last year didn't work out. Uh, but really... Should have had a few more goals in this game, but overall, a great match. And he'll continue to play those multiple roles uh, as a striker, as a supporting striker, as a winger for Ipswich moving forward, uh, as they have a very successful season so far. Uh, another striker, Nikolai Moeller, finally healthy, finally playing uh, 45 minutes against MVV. And this was definitely my favorite performance of his in senior football over the last couple of years. One assist, two shots off target, 12 of 19 passing, one of one ground duels, five of nine aerial duels. As we know, a beast in the air. Uh, I actually think he might have grown a little, uh, which is funny to say because he's so tall, but like he looks even taller to me, and it's not crazy to think that a teenager continues to grow. Uh, he had a classic molar assist, winning the header at the near post, flicking it on for his teammate to have an easy finish at the back post. His presence on the ball has really impressed me. He's gotten very, very calm with the ball at his feet, taking his time, 
allowing defenders to kind of swarm him, but knowing that they can't really get around him because of his physical abilities, and, and then playing the pass that makes sense or, or trying to play a cross in or looking for an attacking ability instead of just one touches or not being able to possess the ball. It, it's really, he's looked a lot calmer on the ball. Uh, and I really think if Den Bosch want to make the most out of having a player like him, they need to have a player kind of sitting right behind him. It's the best way to utilize his skills. He wins nearly every ball in the air. Whether or not he controls it or not is a different story, but he's able to make a presence enough on every ball that comes in the air that if there's a guy sitting right underneath, he's going to get onto many loose balls in very dangerous areas. And, and that allows Moeller to be such a huge threat because then you have the problem of do people even try and go into duels with him or do they let him just win the ball because it gives you the ability to have the odd man advantage of a 2v1 in those situations. Uh, after his impressive performance, 45 minutes, Played 90 minutes and a 3-2 win over NAC Breda. 12 of 26 passing, 2 of 2 on long balls. Uh, the second goal in this match for Den Bosch. Muller's obviously not going to get any credit, no goal or assist, but a super smart run. He was running through the middle of the park, balls on the left wing. He makes a darting run to the near post, allowing his teammate to be wide open at the back post to have an easy tap in on the cross. And the same thing happens on the third goal. These are the kind of smart things that Nikolai Moeller brings as an aerial presence and somebody who understands what he's good at uh, to make that difference on a team. And overall, Nikolai Moeller is becoming a crucial player for Den Bosch, as they expected him to be when they brought him back for that second season. Another player who's been a little bit unlucky with injuries and yet again suffers one uh, is Tim Akinola. He did come in for the final 17 minutes against Gateshead in a 2-1 win, then suffered an injury in training. Doesn't feel like it was too severe. He did miss the match against Bromley and Tom Smith, uh, and then was called up for the Nigeria under-23 side uh, for their second leg in an AFCON qualifier, missing the matches against York and Boreham Wood for Chesterfield. Unclear how bad that injury is, considering he did get called up for Nigeria's under-23s, uh, but we will keep an eye on that. Uh, moving over to Scotland with our two defenders playing over there, Ryan Alabiosu played 74 minutes in a 1-0 win over Ross County, 10 of 14 passing, one key pass, uh, 3 of 3 on dribbles, 5 on 6 of ground duels, uh, a tackle and an interception. Really, really been good since coming back from injury. Made an early, powerful run from midfield, carrying all the way into the box from his own half, and then putting a nice little cross into the middle, but nobody was home. Made another lovely move inside later in the match, coming into the half space, crossing low and hard, but unfortunately did not lead to a goal. Hit his attacker on, on the foot, played a pass back to another player, but the pass was overhit, and unfortunately a goal didn't come from it. Just a few minutes later, made another great cross from the end line to a free player literally on the penalty spot. Nobody around him, but he fired right at the keeper. A lot of very, very nice crosses from Alibiosu in this match. Uh, kind of looked like what he did in the beginning of last year for the under-23s when he had all those assists, when he ate nine assists throughout the season. Uh, his aggression has really increased. As he adapts to the speed of senior football, he's not as worried at going into duels. If you remember those first few matches, it felt like he kind of was scared about trying to put a foot in, uh, worried about either getting a foul or getting beat. Doesn't seem to be afraid of that anymore, and he was a handful for defenders this entire match. Uh, so a really good match from Alabiosu, one of his better ones, as Kumarnock are always better when he's on the pitch and even better when he's aggressive and he's forcing the issue. Uh, he then came on for the last 15 minutes in a 1-0 loss to St. Johnstone. Came in while they were chasing the game. Uh, it was 5-5 five five passing, 1-1 one one on long balls, won a couple of ground duels. 
Unfortunately, couldn't make it happen uh, for Kilmarnock. I think they're being a little bit careful with him as well. He just had that slight kind of muscle injury about a month ago. Don't want to overplay him uh, as he is one of their crucial players. They've been just miserable when he's not on the pitch. Rarely able to really make anything happen uh, and score very few goals and really gain very few points on the table. The more impressive player, though, in Scotland albeit it is a division below in the Scottish Championship, is Alex Kirk, who has quickly become a fan favorite. Uh, scored his first goal a couple weeks ago, 90 minutes in a 2-2 draw with Cove Rangers, won a header at the back post off a corner, and poked it home. He has been just excellent for them. Uh, I really am delighted for Alex Kirk because it started not so well for him, uh, but overall has become just their most crucial player uh, at center back. When he's in there, they're a different side. They went... 4-2 win over Patrick Thistle later that week, and then a 2-0 win over Abrath uh, later that week as well, helping them to the top of the table since his inclusion in the side. And by the numbers, he is in the top percentile of so many things for defenders in the Scottish Championship. He is in the 80th percentile for aerial duels won. He is in the 80th percentile for goals per 90 per center backs. He is in the 100th percentile of fouls per 90 and the 95th percentile of defensive duels won um, per 90 minutes. He is in the 80th percentile for progressive passes per 90 minutes for center backs in this division, which is very surprising. Alex Kirk, not really known as the best ball-playing center back at Hale End, obviously with the likes of Zane Mon-Louis and Zach Awe. Those guys were more known for that. But he has been really, really good in that area in possession this year uh, for IR United, as well as being in the 60th percentile for accurate long passes for defenders. Uh, he's really been excellent. He's gotten better and better as I've gone on. The fans just think he has been the world's difference for their defense since he came in. Those first few matches, they were shipping off three, four, five goals, not even really playing defense. He comes in and creates a center back pairing. Uh, with another signing, and it's made world's difference for our United as they fire themselves up the table. A guy who was in Scotland on two different teams last year uh, and still kind of recovering from injury this year, Harry Clark, came in and played the entire second half against Coventry in a 2-0 loss. Uh, he was somewhat at fault for their first goal, letting a runner in behind too easily unmarked and in for an easy finish. Uh, he was 1 of 4 in ground duels in this match, 2 of 2 on aerial duels, though, 15 of 21 passing uh, and a successful dribble. You know, he just hasn't really been able to make his mark on the team since coming back. Hasn't gotten those offensive positions where he's really most dangerous. He's not a great defender, so if he's not really contributing going forward, he kind of lacks any real impotence on the game. Uh, he then finally was able to play 90 minutes for the first time since coming back from injury in a 3-1 loss to Norwich. Two clearances, two interceptions, and three tackles. Four ground duels won. Uh, 29 of 37 passing, a shot on target. The first goal, you would have to fault Harry Clark. He was asleep at the back post, allowing for an easy tap and just lost his man, wasn't paying attention after Timo Puki took a shot uh, and his man was just standing there for an easy goal. Although I will say after that, Harry Clark had one of his better defensive matches, really doing well to keep the game in front of him, winning balls, uh, getting in the way of passing lanes, winning his ground duels and, and an aerial duel, stuff that he isn't necessarily always the best at. And he did play a role in the Stoke goal. Of course, it was already 3-0 down. Uh, but he took up that attacking position we know him so well for, kind of in the middle of the pitch at the top of the box, uh, right around where the half circle is, uh, and we did well to be on the ball, keep possession, uh, find a teammate who was able to easily 
throw it across the middle of the box for a tap-in goal. Uh, but obviously at that point, the match was already gone. Uh, then Harry Clark again played 90 minutes, though, in a 1-0 win over Wigan. Uh, 19 of 25 passing, one key pass, a shot on target, almost scored a lovely goal at the back post off of a cross. It was a wing-back to wing-back cross, which is how we saw him score in preseason, uh, and unfortunately the goalie made a great save. But those are the kind of positions Harry Clark needs to be getting in if he's going to make the impact that Stoke want him to make. That's why they brought him in. They've seen what he can do. They didn't bring him in because of his defensive prowess, I promise you that. He needs to get back to his ways of, I mean, it's good that he has become more concentrated on his positioning and become a little bit more rigid, but he also needs to be a free-minded, creative player from that position. That's who, what, he, what he is. That is the kind of the transition he made from being a center back in youth to exploring those attacking areas as a wing back. Uh, and so I don't know if it's because he's playing mostly on the right and he really was better at that on the left, but I'd like to see him get more aggressive, bomb down the wings, and, and use his energy. He's an energetic player, um, and, and it's a little unfortunate to see him become too rigid. I know I've asked for it, and I don't want to be picky, and we need a middle ground, but I'd like to see him become more attack-minded. Mazita um, Gungbo, another player who has played some center back and some wing back, is finally back in the squad after a month plus out after his red card in September. Uh, he made his return playing 81 minutes at left back in a 1-1 draw with Bradford City. Uh, he was five clearances, one interception, two tackles. He won all four of his ground duels, 16 of 19 passing, uh, one of one successful dribbles, and a shot on target. Uh, his shot, I'm sorry, shot off target. His shot off target was a little unfortunate that he didn't score. He did well receiving a cross at the top of the box, took one defender out by cutting onto his weak right foot and fired just over the bar. Would have been a great way to mark his return. Not known for his use of the right foot, so a little understandable. It actually wasn't a bad shot, just flying over the post. Uh, and he was somewhat at fault for the goal. Uh, he was chasing a runner in behind and couldn't catch him. It wasn't really, I wouldn't say his fault, uh, but kind of showed why he's not a true left back and a back forward. Doesn't really have the pace to play that position. Uh, but he did do well in this match. Progressive passer. We know he can break the lines uh, from that role and, and is very, very smart uh, when on the ball and very, very much not wasteful. Uh, so good to see Agungbo back in the squad after Betsy's firing. Obviously, it's been a big question mark what will happen with Agungbo. But he is back and, and playing his role. It's now time for our goalie segment where we have our three favorite goalies on loan. Tom Smith, Ovi Ejahiri, and Arthur Okonkwo. And honestly, I don't know who had the best week. We'll start it off with Tom Smith who played four matches over the last two weeks. First was a 3-2 loss to Chesterfield. Uh, nothing you could do about the first goal. It was a low finish in the far post. Didn't even see it come through. Uh, he made a great save early in the second half to deny an easy finish at the front post off of a cross. He made himself big, stopped the goal from going in. Uh, second goal was a free header in the middle of the box. He didn't really stand much of a chance. Uh, he kind of got rooted to his spot. He probably should have just guessed aside. Uh, but, I mean, that would have been total luck if he made the save. And then the third goal was a penalty uh, where he just dove the wrong way. Again, not his fault there. But he did make a nice save late in a 1v1 to keep it 3-2. Uh, getting a strong hand to a shot to push it just wide of the post that would have put the match away. So he did well there. Uh, obviously not the result that they wanted, but not much Tom Smith could have done. He then played in a 3-1 loss to Barnett, made a great save early on, jumping backwards against his momentum to keep a flying header out. He was moving across the goal to his left. Ball came in from his right, uh, in swinging cross. It was a leaping header from the attacker going back across the goal, and Tom Smith stopped on a diamond and launched himself to his right to make an excellent save. 
he then made another early save in a 1v1, going to ground a little bit early, but then was able to get his hand up to the shot and push it out of play. Uh, the first goal he did give up was a bizarre one. He had two goals in this match that were a little bit weird. Uh, it kind of snuck, both of them kind of snuck in from a shot way outside of the box. Uh, it like hit the post and then maybe hit Tom Smith's back and went in, or hit the post, went in, then came back out. Didn't seem like much he could do about it. Happened two times, and the second goal in this match was off of a set piece. Uh, it was a blistering header in off of the crossbar. I hate to keep saying there's not much he could have done about many of these goals, but it didn't seem like there was much he could have done here either. Uh, his long ball delivery has been really good at Bromley, often leading to attacking opportunities, often picking out his striker or the tallest man down the pitch, somebody who can receive the ball and, and hoof it up even further up the pitch. Uh, in the next match, he played in a 1-0 loss to Maidenhead United. Goal came off of a set piece, which is what Bromley's weakness has been all season. They are not good against defending in-swinging crosses. In the next match, in a 1-1 draw with Knotts County, another goal off of an in-swinging cross. Defenders are just whiffing. And so when you're a goalie and your defenders are whiffing, it's really hard to know where to be positionally because you don't know which attacker is actually going to be the one that gets on the end of it. Uh, the one thing I will say is Tom Smith definitely moves slower going to his left. He doesn't make as many good saves going to his left. He gives up more questionable goals going to his left. When he's leaping up to his right or moving one off to his right in a 1v1, he seems to do a lot better. Uh, he made two great 1v1 saves in this match. The first one closing down an angle really fast uh, and preventing you know, the attacker from really even getting a shot towards goal. He made another amazing save in a 1v1 later in the match uh, where it was a similar situation, just got out fast and closed down the angle. Uh, and made an amazing, amazing reaction save in the dying moments to keep the draw alive uh, on a cross over the middle, made himself big, stopped the ball from going in the net. Uh, but Tom Smith, I've really been impressed. In the 1v1s, he's been really decisive. He's come out when he needs to come out and made himself big, and that's all you can do. And if you can do that consistently and confidently, you're going to stop goals. Moving on to Ovi Ejahiri. Uh He played against Hemel Hempstead Town. Uh, in a 2-1 win, made a great save early on from a shot in the box that was just kind of bouncing around, but he stayed focused and kept it out uh, and made another save just before half to keep it tied. He then played in a 1-0 loss against Tonebridge Angels, on which there was not much that happened in this match. He started against East Burnborough uh, in a 5-0 win. Absolute domination of the ball here from Chelmsford. Nothing that Ovi Ejahiri really needs to do. And then in a massive match against Bath City, uh, he did well early in the second half to keep out of a hard shot from the edge of the box. Made a save on one of the last kicks of the match to keep him up 1-0. Uh, and he got down to the ball fast, held on to the ball, didn't give up a rebound. And he's been one of the best players and one of the main reasons why Chelmsford's had such a good season. Then moving up into the fourth division in the professional leagues of English football, Arthur Nkonkwo had kind of a crazy week. A uh, couple of weeks. 1-1 one 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 draw with Doncaster Rovers. He made three saves. Uh, both two of them coming inside the box and a penalty save. Uh, great save diving to a low hard shot at his near post from the middle of the box early on in the match. Then, wow, what a penalty save did he make later in the half. He did dive a little bit early, guessed a little bit early, but his arms are so long, such a big body, he was able to literally reach back while he was on the ground to keep it out. And unfortunately, the equalizer he gave up late in the match was horrible goalkeeping. He tried to commit to coming out uh, against a ball coming in over the top to an attacker. He hesitated, then got stuck in no man's land outside of the box, so he couldn't even use his hands, and it was an easy finish for the attacker. But he did make that penalty save, so we'll give him a break. But a little unfortunate that he wasn't able to keep that clean sheet and get the win for Crew. Uh, then in a 1-1 draw with Wimbledon, Nkonkwo made yet another penalty save. He had four saves in this match. 
one high claim, two of those saves coming inside the box, and an excellent game distributing the ball, 18 of 33 passing. Uh, there was nothing he could do about the goal. Defense gave up a free header that he reacted to quickly to keep it out, but there were so many players in the box in front of him, it was an easy poke to rebound it home. But then another penalty save, he guessed the right way, going down to his left, a hard low shot towards the corner, and kept it out. Uh, later in the weekend, a 3-0 loss to Barrow. Uh, Aconco did make five saves, uh, two of those coming inside the box, had a really nice game distributing the ball, 30 of 35 passing, his most accurate game distributing the ball, uh, but nothing he could really do all match, just horrific defending by crew. The last three guys we have here, um, all injured, Omar Rekik picked up a slight injury, hasn't been on the bench since October 16th, and his World Cup Tunisia spot is in doubt. Uh, then we have Salah Adin, Ulad Mhan. Some good news, he is back in training but has not yet made the squad. And Mika Birith, just so unfortunate he is not in the squad for the matches against Ajax or FC Twente. He's out injured, not 100% clear what's going on, but just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And those are our 18 players out on loan. Couple of weeks, obviously been since we kept you updated. Some big highlights here. Uh, some guys who we didn't expect to do as well, like Alex Kirk doing so well, Miguel Aziz doing so well, obviously Charlotte Patino and Flo Balagoon and Brooke Norton Cuffey. The big highlights of what's going on, and our goalkeepers have been pretty impressive. So very exciting stuff. Uh, we'll get back on a regular schedule soon. Sorry it's been a hectic few weeks. Um, really enjoying keeping in touch with all of you, and we'll be back as soon as we can next week for another episode of Away From Hail End.